Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us to that place this morning. Let's pray as we continue this morning and we dig into God's word together. Father God, we do want to bring you praise forever and ever. And as we sing through the gospel story like that, God, it is overwhelming what you have done for us. The promises you have made to us and the place that you are leading us, God, we can't even imagine where we will sing your praise forever and ever and ever. And God, as we are on that journey, we pray that you would speak to us, that you would help us to see glimpses of that in your word, in our spirit, in the people around us as we worship together. We pray that we would be connected to what you are doing in that way. But we thank you for these times when we can experience that together, even in this broken way. And we ask as we turn to your word this morning that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn with me this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to open in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and we're going to read a passage here as we step into God's word together this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 11. This is one of my very favorite passages. It's so good. Oh man. And it keeps going. We're not going to read all of it, but read all of Corinthians really. All of 2 Corinthians is really good stuff. You should read it, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised Again, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone. The new is here. Amen. The new creation has come. You are a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. You are changed. Different now. Do you feel that way? Do you live that way? We're coming to the end of our theme this year, Walking Intimately with God, where we've been looking at all these different and important ways that we need to understand what it means to follow Him, to be the church, to be on mission with Him, to build His kingdom, to be a part of His plan. And those are 
all good and wonderful and important things, but as we come to the end of this journey, we're looking at why we can do those things. Why we can walk intimately with full faith and confidence. Why we can trust him to lead, to be in charge, because of the incredible things that he has promised us. The lavish and powerful assurances that he has given us about himself, about us, about life with him, about what he meant when he created all of this and about where all of this is going. God is God. And what he has promised, he will do. And again, he has made thousands of promises, and he means every single one of them. But we're looking at just a few of them that kind of capture the heart of what those promises are. The promise that he has chosen you. The promise that nothing can separate you from him. That you can approach God with confidence. That you are being made holy. That you are one with his spirit. That you can spend eternity in his presence. That Jesus is coming back. That you are a child of the king. An heir to his kingdom. That you are his workmanship. That you have a purpose and a mission. These are huge promises. With huge meanings and dramatic impacts if we believe them. If we embrace them. If we trust him that he really means them. And that they really are meant for us, for you. Are you worthy? Of course not. None of us are, but God has guaranteed these things for you anyways, and he wants you to have them, to own them, to live them, because that's, that's what he created you for. That's the kind of life that he means for you to have. Do you want that? Last week, we started with that most foundational promise that God is in control. That no matter what is happening in our lives, in our world, all around us, God is in perfect and complete control. And he is accomplishing exactly what he means to for his glory. That was the key. That was the truth. We live so much of our lives even with him for ourselves. Putting ourselves firmly at the center of his plan. My needs, my wants, my life, my comfort, my family, my money, my everything is supposed to be God's first priority. But that's not how anything works. God is God. And he is working for his glory, not mine. His kingdom, not mine. His purpose, not mine. And I need to get on board 
with him. Because when I do, my life becomes his glory. And that's what I truly need because he is good. And he is best. It's a complete shift from what we're drawn to in our selfishness. A total upending of the order we work so hard to establish. But when we allow him to be God and put things in their proper order, it's life changing. And that's our second promise today. That God actually makes a difference That he has promised that when we trust him, when we submit to him, when we let him lead and give our lives to him, he has promised us that we will be transformed. That you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. You are changed. Are you changed? Paul talks about this a ton in his letters. Over and over and over he talks about what this new life is supposed to look like. What this transformed life is meant to be. Ephesians chapter 2. He says, as for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time. We're no better. Gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the, income, in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You were dead in your transgressions, but now, by his grace, You are saved. You used to follow the cravings of the flesh, the desires of your selfish nature. But now you are raised up with Christ, seated in the heavenly realms, created in Christ to do good works. We are transformed. Galatians chapter 2, For I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Christ lives within me. The life I live in the body, 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. These are huge passages. Powerful language, seated in the heavenly realms, living a new life in this completely different way, empowered by Christ, filled with his spirit, seeing God and his kingdom as you never have before. Seeing your own life only through his eyes. It's exciting. It's overwhelming. And it's also a little bit confusing because what does that really mean? What does any of this actually look like though? We can talk about this change, this transformation, but what do we do with that? In Colossians chapter 3, Paul gets a little bit more practical, outlining for us a little bit what this new life should look like, how it should be different. In Colossians chapter 3, he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, Greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all these things. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And that's critical stuff. Important Stuff, but far too often, that's where we stop. So you gave your life to Christ. You've become a Christian. How have you changed? What do you do? Well, I don't drink as much or at all anymore, and I don't go to bars or strip clubs, and I don't swear as much. Okay, but what do you do? Well, I don't hang out with those bad influences and I don't watch those bad movies or TV shows and I don't dress or act in those bad ways. Okay, but what do you do? Well, I don't vote in that way and I don't believe or agree with that idea and I don't like that group's beliefs. So much of how Christians define themselves is by what they don't do, what they're against what they're opposed to, where they won't go. But that's not at all how Jesus is calling us to live. Of course, some of those behaviors are dangerous or unhealthy, and Paul lists those and more things in several different places. We're called to holiness. That matters. And that involves trying to live free from sin and unhealthy things. But far more, we are called to life abundant life, not avoidant life. Following Jesus is active, not evasive. 
It's about working, not worrying all the time. We're not people of fear. When we come to Jesus, we take off our old self. We put to death that selfish, sinful nature. But it doesn't end there. Colossians 3 doesn't end with what we put down, what we take off, what we stop doing. That's not even really the beginning. You're just getting to the starting line. Because he goes on. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving Him thanks to God the Father through Him. Put on the new self. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, the fruit of the Spirit. Bear with one another. Forgive, love, serve, and then whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. There is no list of what to do specifically because it's everything. As the church, as a person, as a spouse, as a friend, as a worker, as a citizen, as a parent. He doesn't even know what all amazing things God is going to put in front of you. But do it. Following Jesus is about doing. What are the greatest commandments? Love God and love others. Active, intentional things. Neither of them was don't do bad things. Of course, don't do bad things, but that's not even the beginning of the new life that Jesus offers. He wants us to live, to breathe, to act, to love, to be his presence in powerful ways in the world around us. To the people around us. Is your presence a breath of fresh air and peace 
and life to the people in your life? Is your presence a breath of fresh air and peace and life to the people around you? Or are they constantly walking on eggshells around you because they're afraid to offend you or make you uncomfortable because of all the rules you have to follow and the things you disapprove of? And it has nothing to do with compromising or approving of sin or just pretending that nothing is right or wrong. But who were the people most comfortable around Jesus? Most longing to be with him. Sinners, outcasts, the wrong kind of people. And if we are truly transformed, made in his image, a new creation, we should be that too. We're not called to be a new creation to pretend to be statues of holiness in a museum living behind a velvet ropes. The world can't make us dirty with our cracks and flaws carefully hidden with clever lighting. We're, call, we're not called to abundant life to hide away and stay safe and comfortable. We're called to be missionaries, helpers, servants, to sacrifice ourselves for others for his sake. To be the living embodiment of the love of Jesus in the world. Are you the living embodiment of the love of Jesus in your world? In Romans 12, Paul talks more about how we can understand our mission. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You are a new creation. So study his word, pray, spend time with him. Let the Holy Spirit speak in your life and bring that fruit of the Spirit in your life. If you're not displaying the fruit of the Spirit, you're not following Jesus. If love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control don't define you, you're not following Jesus. Allow the Spirit to shape and mold you that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And as that happens, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. You don't know what to do? Let God show you. There are endless opportunities to be Jesus to people. To share his love with them. 
Let him show you the people he is putting in front of you. So often we think serving God is, or living a Christian life is, is about huge gestures, grand opportunities, starting massive international ministries or moving to another country to start doing something completely different than we're doing now. But being transformed doesn't mean God is calling you out of the relationships you're in now, the environment or the job or whatever you're in now because God's mission isn't ministries and organizations, it's people. It's always been people and it'll always be people. That's why Paul's list of things we take off and put down were bad behaviors and the things we put on are character traits. God is changing your heart for people. To impact people. You are a new creation made to reflect him so people will see him. See his love. His peace. His mercy, his grace, his justice, his mission, his purpose. We are made new to show them who he is. In our words, in our actions, in our life. With them. Sometimes God might give you a vision or a call to a specific ministry or program or something. But every day in every interaction we have the chance to live and show this new creation. As we walk and talk and work and live with the people that God has created too. God has promised you that you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. How are you different? How are you new? What are you for? Who are you for? How are you life, abundant life for them? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for these reminders in your word, these challenges that we really are made new and we're supposed to be new. That's supposed to make a difference. And as we live and walk and talk and do the things that we do, God, we fail in that every day because I still try to put myself in the center of your plan and the things I think are important and my needs and my priorities and my life needs to be your first priority and God, it just isn't. But when we let you put those things in the right order and we let our heart be changed, it all begins to make sense. And as we let you polish that mirror that reflects who you are, people won't see me anymore. They'll see you. God, help us to let you do that. Help us to let you do the work you so desire to do for your spirit to change us. That we would be filled with the fruit of the spirit. That we would be life to others. That when we meet with them, 
talk with them, work with them, they would experience the abundant life that Jesus promises. Forgive us when we're selfish. And help us to follow you well in Jesus' name. Amen.